0: Amen. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 1. Praise God. Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 1. It says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Uh, For context, we we could read verses 2, 3, and 4, but for sake of time, let's jump ahead to verse 5. God is dispelling uh, judgment upon them, telling them what to expect, that they're going to be removed from their place. Verse 5, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Verse 7, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat comes, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Verse 9. Let's focus on, on these last two verses now. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. And let the church say amen. I feel led of the Lord to speak on this subject, heart trouble, heart trouble. Let's pray one more time and let's ask specifically the Lord to speak to us. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this time. We ask now that as we open up your word, as the word is opened up to us, I pray that our hearts will be opened also and that we will be receptive to the Word of God, not only in hearing, but also in applying the truth that we hear tonight in our lives. I thank you for these that are gathered, each of our classes that are going on. Let your Word go forth. Let it find good soil to put down root and bear fruit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Again, everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. Amen. Just look across and wave at somebody real big, smile at them, act like you're happy to see them. Amen. We won't tell if you're being genuine or otherwise. Now, surely it is good to see everybody. Uh, Praise God. The heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful. The sequence of ideas that are shared with us in Jeremiah 17, it seems to set forth and to answer the following question. If the blessing and the curse are so plainly marked for us, how is it that man chooses the curse and not the blessing? Even Jesus says, there, there are two ways, and then he plainly described those two paths and where those path, paths end. Even on Sunday, we talked about how we have control in chaos, that we could make a choice. Even when the world around us seems to be spiraling out of control, we still have a choice, either to choose life or to, to, to choose death, here to choose cursing or to choose blessing. We could either choose the portion of, as Jeremiah describes, the heath in the desert, which basically the heath is this small, really worthless bush in a desert place. He's describing a plant that is really desolate, not good for much. And then on the other hand, he describes the blessed life to be like a tree that's planted by the Rock River. And and it's not afraid of the drought because it's got its roots down deep and it's got a source of life and it's able to bring forth leaves and green leaves and fruit. Why would someone choose the cursing rather than the blessing when they're both so plainly marked? The answer is found in the mysterious self-deceit that is in our very nature the nature of our heart that blinds us to the perceptions of what is good and evil. The heart that is deceitful can look at evil and call it good, and can look at good and call it evil. Again, how is it that mankind so often chooses the curse and not the blessing when the paths are so plainly marked? Again, the answer is found in the self-deceit of our fallen nature that blinds us to perceptions of good and evil. The heart, the Bible says, is deceitful above all. The heart being the inner person. It includes our desires. It includes our feelings. It includes our thoughts. And this is why Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, keep Your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Biblically speaking, the heart is seen as containing the totality of one's intellect, their human will, and their emotion. Oftentimes when we think of the heart or hear someone speak of the heart, we think of only one of those three aspects or faculties of the human heart. We think of the emotion. But really, biblically speaking, it includes our intellect, our minds, our will, our decision-making, and our emotion, our feelings. Allow me to make quickly the case for each of these. The heart is the center of our intellect, our mind, our thinking, our decision-making. For we are informed from the scriptures— These following things. I I won't give you the, the scripture references for each of them. And if you would like them, I could give them to you afterwards. But I have a scripture reference for each of the following things concerning the heart and its engagement of the mind or the thought or the intellect. The Bible says to consider things in our heart, to meditate in our hearts, to talk with ourselves and with God in our hearts, to hide God's word in our hearts, to keep things in our hearts, to doubt in our hearts, to ponder in our hearts, to believe in our hearts, to sing in our hearts. All of these actions of the heart are primarily issues that you and I would think involve the intellect or the mind, but the Bible speaks of them having to do with the heart or originating from the heart. The heart is also the center of the human will. This is why the Bible describes the following. The hardened heart that refuses to do what God commands. Again, that's the will, the act of the will. The heart that is inclined to cling to, to God, the heart that will obey God's testimonies, the heart that intends to do something, the heart that is to seek the Lord, the heart that decides on something, the heart that wants to receive from the Lord, and the heart that desires to do something. All of these take place in the human will, but the Bible, biblically saying, is the heart, the heart. Now, the most common of these three faculties of the heart is the heart being the center of our human emotions. And this is why scriptures say things like this, the glad heart, the loving heart, the fearful heart, the courageous heart, the repentant heart, the heavy heart, the angry heart, the revived heart, the pained heart, the grieving heart, the humble heart, the excited and burning heart, the troubled heart. Again, all of these actions of the heart are primarily emotional in character. Again, let me make sure I'm clear on this. The heart, when we're speaking of the heart, is not just these fluttering of emotions, but when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about that center of a person's inward being that is engaged when the mind is working, when the human will is at work, and when our emotions are engaged. The problem of the heart, or our heart trouble, is when the heart is apart from God. When the heart is separated, the human heart is separated from God, we have heart trouble. All of us, at one point in our lives, have experienced heart trouble. I'm not talking about the kind of heart trouble that could be solved with a pacemaker or defibrillator. I'm talking about the inward man that part of you that makes decisions, that part of you that, that thinks, that reasons, that part of you that has emotion. You see, the decision that was made by Adam and Eve to follow temptation, from that point, it drastically, drastically affected the human heart. He's not saying that this is the result of a choice, but it's saying it's the state of the heart. Hear me now. It's you, you don't look at someone that has wickedness in their lives, that's being judged by God, that's going to receive judgment by God, and saying that person has a wicked heart. But indeed, the fact of the matter is, is we were all born with a wicked heart. We were all born with a heart that was desperately wicked and that was deceitful above all things. Jesus confirmed Jeremiah's diagnosis of our heart trouble when he said that it is not the failure to follow ceremonial laws, but rather when wicked desires are lodged in one's heart. He said if you have evil thoughts, you have adultery, you have fornication, murder, theft, even covetousness, or being greedy, or wanting another man's goods, or wickedness, or deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, even pride and foolishness, all of those come forth from the heart. All of you, all of us, we were born with the capacity to murder, to lie, to steal, to covet, to have pride, to blaspheme. Furthermore, Jesus taught about the seriousness of sin in the heart. When he said, Listen, you've been, you've been, um, Careful not to murder someone, carry out the act of murder, but I want to convey to you that your heart, when it has anger in it against your brother and you're not willing to forgive your fellow man, it's as though you've already committed the act in my eyes. He says you may have not laid with a woman yet to commit adultery or fornication, but if you've already thought it in your heart, if it's already existing in your heart that you're dwelling on that, then it's the very act of it. it's the same in my eyes, God says. Perhaps a more literal translation, and I hope you catch this, a more literal translation of Jeremiah's description of the heart being desperately wicked would be this. The literal translation from the Hebrew would be this, incurably wicked, incurably diseased. You were born, I was born with heart disease, Again, I'm not talking about the physical, biological situation that might exist in someone's body. I'm talking about the spiritual condition that we were born into. We were born with heart trouble. We were born with an incurable disease, a condition of our heart. That part of us, the inward man, that again, that thinks and reasons, that makes decisions and decides to do something, that feels emotions. Follow me now. Now, there's a warning that Jesus gives us and that the Word of God gives us that if our hearts are continually bent upon doing evil, we run the deadly risk of becoming hardened, of becoming hardened. Now, these days, for the past 10 years or so, these hands are pretty soft. I'll I'll admit it ashamedly. These hands are pretty soft. I I used to, you know, pride myself I rarely use that word pride, but I used to pride myself on the fact that I had hard, callous hands from working road construction. It it was a working man's hands, right? And uh, they've been a little soft, but of course, those calluses, those calluses, they form by repeated motion and being abused or used excessively. It develops a thickened layer of skin in those areas that are repeatedly hurt or bruised or used excessively, it develops that thicker skin there. Our hearts become hardened or calloused when we repeatedly choose to live our lives contradictory to God's word and God's commands. When we refuse to obey them, it develops a callous or a hardened heart. The Bible actually indicates that the Lord will eventually even harden your heart. He will allow you to even go into deception or strong delusion if we refuse his, the working of his spirit, the working of his word in our lives. So what is the answer? We have heart trouble. We have an incurable disease. What's the answer? What's the solution? I'm so glad you asked. The answer is to have a regenerated heart. God's answer To the sinfulness of the human heart that all mankind are born with is to be born again. The first time we're born, we're born with this spiritual heart disease, this heart trouble. That's an incurable disease. But the second time we're born of water and the spirit into the body of Christ, we are born with a new heart. This is available to all who will repent of their sins, confessing them that they're wrong and turning away from them to God and putting their faith in Jesus Christ as both savior and lord. This is why David prayed in Psalm 51 verse 10. Perhaps you already know what Psalm 51 verse 10 says. Create in me a what? A clean heart stay with me tonight create in me a clean heart now i've prayed this prayer I, countless times i can't tell you how many times i've prayed this prayer almost every time i spend time with the lord this scripture is somehow going to be touched in my prayer the reason why is because jesus said in those what we call the beatitudes blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god And that is what I want probably more than anything in my life these days is I want to see God. Now, yes, in a sense, I want to see God one day in heaven. I want to be eternally united with him in heaven. But even more than that, I want to see God now. What I ask him is, Lord, I want a pure heart because I want to see you in my marriage. I want to see you in my parenting, in my pastoring, throughout my day. I want to see you in my interaction with other people. I want to see God. And the way to ensure that is to have a pure heart. And so if I want to see God, I need a pure heart. So I pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 51 verse 10 after he committed sin by having an illegitimate child with Bathsheba and having her husband killed. And David prayed and said, Have mercy upon me according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. I acknowledge my sin. It's ever before me. I don't hide it from you. Everywhere I turn, I know it's there. And so what he prays in verse 10 is, Create in me a clean heart. Now get this. What I've always seen this scripture through or considered this scripture as is, Lord, create in me a clean heart. My heart has become dirty. So please clean it. Renew it, Lord God. Make it right again. But when I study the verse of scripture further, and in the context of this Bible study tonight, I realize that what David was asking is not for restoration of what was there before and not is any longer. No, what David was praying, the words are are literally saying, God, transform my heart because the heart that I was born with is evil. It's bent towards wickedness. It's inclined to sin. It's inclined to trespass your law. It's inclined to give itself to all sorts of wickedness. But Lord, instead of making my heart better than what it is, give me a clean heart. My heart wasn't clean to begin with, so you can't restore what, what it was before, but rather give me a new heart. That is why God spoke through the prophet in Ezekiel 11:19, 19, and he said, I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within you, not something that you had before, not making what you had better, not giving you a new paint job. I'm going to give you a brand new engine. He said, I'm going to give you a heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. He said, I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Listen, I was talking about the hardening of the heart. And some of you, I could feel myself walking on your toes. I I could feel you kind of cringing and kind of, Backing into a corner and cowering in this cloak of shame, and saying he's all over me, and I might as well give up now because I can't do anything better. But listen, God wants to take away the callous, hardened, stony heart, according to Ezekiel eleven nineteen, and He says, "I want to give you a new heart that is soft." The Living Bible puts it this way: "I will give you one heart and a new spirit. I will take you. I will take from you your hearts of stone and will give you tender hearts." of love of God. Your fleshly human nature, your heart, that part of you, that inward part of you, it didn't know to look for God. It didn't know to repent. Oh, It didn't know to seek him. It didn't know to get right. It didn't know what right even looked like. But listen, the Lord says, it's all right. If you'll just turn to me, I'm going to take that thing that has caused you to stray so many times, and I'm going to put my spirit within you. I'm going to put my, it's going to be a heart transplant. Are you hearing me tonight? It's going to be a heart trans I'm going to give you a heart that desires God that's what you see that's what the psalmist said a lot of times you've heard the scripture that God will give you the desires of your heart and I believe that it has often been misunderstood to think that we could just want this 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 and this and God is ob- obligated to give it to us because that's what we want in our hearts no What the Bible is saying is that I'm going to put desires in you that you didn't have before. You used to have desires that got into you all kinds of mess and trouble, but I'm going to put different desires. I'm going to put a different heart in you. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the new birth. I'm thankful for the hope that being born again brings into my life. And listen, it doesn't stop with new birth. God repeatedly through scripture emphasized to his people the necessity of a love that comes from the heart. Of course, such love for and devotion to God cannot be separated from obedience to the law of God. Just because I'm talking about our hearts get, you know, getting a new heart and all this stuff doesn't give us an excuse or license uh, to get out of jail and say, you know what, I could just still live however I want to because God gave me a new heart. No, 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 no. It's time to put that new heart to work. I, it, as bizarre as it may sound, I, I've actually been with a couple people that have had heart transplants. But listen, the the the, the Dane—they're not out of the woods when they get the new heart. They got to make sure that the body receives the heart. They got to make sure that the new heart agrees with their body. Sister Ashley, am I I talking right? She's had family members that have had heart transplants. And I'll never forget walking into Maria's room. She has since passed, but walking into Maria's room, Maria Harris, and this was after her surgery, after her heart transplant. And she said, Pastor, I got to tell you something. When I woke up from the heart transplant, I, I felt almost this pain in my chest and I pressed the nurse call button and I brought in the nurse and the doctors and I explained what I was feeling inside my chest and they said Maria that is a healthy heart that you feel nothing's wrong your heart the healthy heartbeat that you're feeling is a is something you've never felt before oh listen, there is something to be said about this heart transplant where it it makes me feel like I've never felt before, want what I've never want before, start walking in a direction and in a way that I've never walked in before. You've got to put that heart to work. What a tragedy it would be to have this awesome heart transplant and then only to do things that destroy this heart that you got. Wouldn't it, listen, someone, died, someone is not alive. You don't just keep living without a heart. Someone is not alive when another person receives that heart in a heart transplant, someone died. And what an injustice it would be to take that heart transplant that cost someone their life and then to do things to your body that cause the corrupting and the diseasing of that new heart. We've got to care for the heart. We've got to make sure that heart keeps beating and is cared for and is healthy. Jesus gave us his heart. It cost him his life, but he gave us his heart. And how dare I take that new heart and abuse it with things that I know, according to his word, are going to destroy it. That's why the Bible says it's time we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because when we walk after the spirit, it's this new it's like having this exercise regiment now incorporated in your life it's having this new diet of the word of god you have this new diet you have this new exercise regiment you're walking by faith and not by sight anymore walking by sight was basically unhealthy lifestyle walking by faith is a new heart healthy lifestyle that says listen I've got a new lease on life I've got a new heart and I want to take care of it and I want to make sure I'm walking by faith and I'm walking after the spirit someone say amen Why don't you lift your hands? I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Lift your hands and just ask the Lord, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for, Lord, doing things in my life that have damaged the heart that I have been given through my spiritual new birth. And help us, oh Lord, to take care of that heart. To, Lord, make sure that heart is healthy in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Come on, thank him for the new birth. Thank him for his spirit. Thank him for his blood. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. You see, when we have a new heart, there are spiritual activities that we could engage in. I gave you a list of all those things that, you know, is our heart through our will, our heart through our intellect, our heart through our emotions. But here's some spiritual activities you should start engaging in with your heart. Praise God from the heart. According to Psalm 91. Psalm 19, verse 14. Meditate on God's word continually in your heart. Psalm 84, verse 2. Cry out to God from the heart. Psalm 119, 2 and 10. Seek God with all your heart. Psalm and verse 11, and Deuteronomy 6:6. 6, 6, hide God's word in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, according to Proverbs 3:5. 5. Romans 5:5. 5, 5, experience the love of God that is poured out in our hearts, and Ephesians 5:19. Sing to God from the heart. Someone say amen, amen, amen. I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the presence of the Lord. Listen, our hearts, one of the main things that, you know, we think of our hearts is our feelings, our emotions. And I want you to understand that emotions are not bad, okay? They're not wrong. God created us in his image, and he made us as emotional beings. You might even say vulnerable through our emotions. How many's ever been hurt through your emotions? How many's ever felt pain through your emotions? Sure have. Sure have. But God created us in his image. And it doesn't take long to realize in scripture that God experiences emotions and feelings. He was pleased with Abel's sacrifice. He was disgusted at Noah's generation. And the list could go on. I want you to understand, as I close, that there is value and there is purpose in your emotions. There's value and purpose in your emotions. The following are excerpts from Crossway.org. I just swallowed a bug. Praise God. There you go. Crossway.org entitled the article, Why Your Emotions Are a Good Thing. Now, this is authored by a couple ladies. Uh, a mother and daughter, so it's a little on the feminine side, but bear with me, gentlemen. To appreciate the gifts of emotions, imagine what life would be like if you could not feel. Imagine hanging out with friends, yet feeling no pleasure in their company. Imagine a gentleman takes a knee and asks you to marry him, but you experience no butterflies. Men, do not imagine that. Or what about holding your crying newborn to your chest with no elation or if you heard the diagnosis all clear, no cancer with no flood of relief. Without emotions, you would find no comfort in those things that you, quote unquote, enjoy. Emotions, they add pleasure, comfort, richness to events and relationships. Even difficult emotions, which we've all experienced, reflect reality and can move us to a better place. Listen carefully, this is very important. Feelings mirror the pain and suffering in our lives. Imagine losing a close friend or a beloved family member and feeling no grief or loss. What if you're hurt, what if you hurt someone you love but felt no remorse or shame? Imagine getting fired or failing a test and feeling no disappointment. Now, it might sound nice on the surface to do without these painful feelings, But none of us can deny that emotions give meaning and depth to our lives. Often emotions we most wish we could avoid propel us to a new and better direction. Without emotions, life would be colorless, canvas, boring, and bland. We need to realize that emotions should play to our benefit, our advantage. And too often, you could see in the world, folks, that emotions unbridled, can lead to all sorts of chaos, all sorts of problems. But listen, the same way that the world allows their heart to be affected in a negative way, an unregenerated heart, you have a born-again heart. And you could have emotions that propel you and move you in the right direction and for the right things. Let us allow our emotions to lead us in the right direction. I ask God daily, to help me put on the breastplate of righteousness because I want to do the right thing no matter how my heart may feel. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's pray one more time and just ask the Lord to help us. Amen. Insert this message into application. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you for this Bible study. I ask that you will help us, Lord, each and every person that is here to realize the advantage and also the dangers of our emotions. But even beyond that, emotions are just one of three aspects of our human heart, biblically speaking. And I pray that we will realize that our heart we were born with is filled with an incurable disease, incurable according to man's abilities and resources. That's why the Bible says that if we lean on the arm or strength of man, that we will fall Lord, we understand that the heart that we were born, full is desperate, born with was desperately wicked. It's deceitful. It will deceive us into believing things that are not true, that good is evil and evil is good. But Lord, we thank God through the new birth, we could have a new heart that was given to us at the cost of your life. And I pray, Lord, that we will exercise this heart, that we would grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory. We love you and we give your name all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.